Back again, hello guys, to the trackway. Uh, Gray Gamer and myself, Trev, Trainspot and Trev, Trev, whatever. I guess this isn't a gaming handle, so Trev Gray. <laughs> much, much simpler. Trev Gray. Um, yeah. We decided, well, it was Gray's suggestion initially, but it was a good idea. We were doing some specials, we were doing um, like best top five and whatnot, but I don't think they're as popular, and by all means, tell me if I'm wrong below in the comments below, as always, because like, what people want to see is kind of what I, to an extent, willing to do. We've got to enjoy doing it great at the same time, so if someone's want to yep. talk about the whole plating and different starships, the colour of it or whatnot, then I might might give that one a miss, but you know, if it's something interesting and decent, maybe. Um... We're not knocking anybody. <laughs> We're not knocking. <laughs> well, listen... So uh, we thought people tend to prefer the review format, but we've no, yeah. no new trek at the moment, not for another three, four weeks or so. Mm. So we decided, like, yeah. partly because of Gray's initial suggestion to talk about some of the TOS episodes that he recommended to me, um, and we thought it would be like the top I don't know, five or six or so. And I had a look through them, and then I suggested to Grey the Ultimate Computer, Season 2, Episode 24, which is one of the best. Grey said that. I, after watching it, probably have to agree as well. And I went back and watched it a second time within a space of like a month or two because I wanted to be fresh for the right. view. Like, well, like we do with a new episode of Trek, Grey, we yeah. just watch it that day or... And then we do the notes the same day, and or the notes the second day uh, after, and then fresh in our mind. So we've done something similar. So the Greg, he watched it yesterday, just to refresh his memory, even though he's probably seen it a shit ton of times. times. Yeah. <laughs> and you had yeah. to watch it again, really? Uh, you know, I like it. I always like it. I can always watch TOS over and over. It's great. Yeah. Fair enough. Was... The other thing, too, we wanted to make or say is that this is there is a relevancy in this episode uh, because in Picard season three, as well as other past Star Trek shows here and there, they tend to keep refer every once in a while to Daystrom, Daystrom, the Daystrom Institute, Daystrom created the computers. They, you keep hearing the name thrown around. That's well, this true. is the first time we've ever seen the original Daystrom, the real guy. Um, and this is brought into the TOS episode. Uh, this is after he, well, you'll You'll see. We'll explain it as we go in there. But So there's the relevancy of why you hear Daystrom all the time. Who the heck is Daystrom? And here he is. That's true. That's, uh, relevance is kind of important to, uh, to what we've been watching recently. Um, what was his first name? Do you remember? Is it Richard? I can't remember his first name. I think so. Yeah, Richard. I think it was, yeah. And I kept spelling his name wrong, so I actually had, I had to go back and change it. I was putting Daystrom rather than Daystrom. 
Yeah, so that's the I've English it. language that does strange things. It does. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I done the exact same thing. I took some notes, maybe not as in depth as I normally do, because I like, I kind of like that. I just some notes to keep my mind uh, relevant yeah. and fresh, and then I can elaborate mm-hmm. on them because I don't want to be reading from a script that's dull and boring. And Grace uh-huh. added in points as well that he thinks are important. Are not important. Not well. Maybe hopefully not notes that I've missed. Hopefully just notes that you think are relevant, mate, because uh, yeah. some things I miss out, I guess, on purpose. But with further ado, we'll kick off, mate. Um, now, Gray, uh, I struggled to, while having a copy of the original, original TOS without the remaster, Gray um, kind enough to give me a copy of the remaster, because we both own our own copies there, so... He gave me the remaster version because I struggled to find that. I couldn't get a hold of it where I was. So, uh, and I have to say that it is a lot better. Uh, Gray and I touched on his route just literally before we were coming on to record. And I said to Gray, just pop, hold it for a few more minutes because we're going to talk about it right off the bat. So, yeah, it is an improvement. And Gray's pro- possibly answered what I was going to talk about. And that was that, yes, it looked improved, but it looked, it's hard to describe it. I thought it would, it would go for higher quality than that, like what they've done with uh, uh, the next generation. So they've, they've, they massively overhauled the, the, the graphics there as well. It looked better, maybe because it had a be- better base level to go from Grey than obviously a 60s TV yeah. show oh, did. Yeah. So, it definitely did. Uh, but the, the TOS show... I thought they would go further to maybe not quite the movie standard, but almost the movie standard because the movie CGI for the for the limited computer power and graphics they had was brilliant. I thought, um, mm-hmm. and then you said to me, "Well, you could tell me what you said. Why you yeah. probably didn't go that far?" I remember when I was reading a good long while back when they were planning on the remastering, and it came up as to how are we going to hand, handle the special effects because we know we want to do it much better. Uh, but we don't, and this was really important. They didn't want to break the integrity or feel of the older TOS stuff. So I know it's hard to understand, but the best way I could explain it is that they made new old effects. Mm. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it's a, it's so, a good way. It's a good way of describing it. So what they literally did is they looked at they looked at the exact scene of of what was happening, and most of the time, not every time, but most of the time. All they did was create a much better looking enterprise, planets, stars, everything, everything, movement, the whole nine yards. But it did the same thing if you look at it clip by clip from the other one as it did in the original. Now, there were a few differences because in the original TOS back then, you know, cost a lot of money to do effects. And let's face it, in the 60s, late 60s, they didn't have stuff like we have today. Um so many times the Enterprise, which was a real model up, up against a, a green screen or whatever, uh, back then they were blue screens. Um, and basically the ship really only did a couple of things. It went this way, it went this way, it went this way, and that's about it. I mean, it didn't really, you didn't that's really it. see it turn or, or pivot or The original like Starship that. Enterprise has never taken a left or a right turn ever. <laughs> Pretty much, right. And it's and if it did, unfortunately, the old effects it kind of went. Yeah, eh, 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 it, it, it didn't look. You know, I mean, back then, of course, I was young and it was like everything was great then. But the point is, is that that didn't look real. So in those particular instances, 
where they could take some poetic license, so to speak, they had the ship do a curve. They had to ship do a turn. They had to ship do a pivot, yeah. you know, where, where it made sense. But they didn't want to go so far as to make it too modern. Uh, because if you did, uh, like, a, for instance, I'll give you a good, a good example. Takes away the authenticity. In, right. And, 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 and in all the remasters, when you see the original Enterprise, you never see the original Enterprise do the warp effect like they created when the movies came yeah, out. Yeah, gutted. You just see it, where you just see it go, and it disappears, right? That's not in the remaster TOS. And they, they battled that one because they said they felt it would have been too much because they wanted to, again, try to retain the integrity of what was. Yeah. but just make it as best looking as they possibly could. And I think overall, especially to an old Star Trek fan like me, I'm just, I loved it. I mean, I couldn't believe how good it looked. I mean, I've never seen the Enterprise, original Enterprise look that good, that smooth. And even, even when they, and, and the one thing about this particular episode, uh, not many episodes because, again, of cost and everything, uh, were they able to have more than one or two starships Okay, in this they have four or five starships, which is yeah. really unusual. And in this was so great because I could, I could tell just by looking at it that the effects guys must have had a blast with this one because they're sitting there going like, "Ooh, now we can really go to town." And they made every ship, the Lexington and the other ships in the, in this episode look so good. And they had them in formation, and there were scenes where the Enterprise was firing on uh, uh, one of the ships, and you could see how clean and crisp and clear those phasers look. Uh, coming out of the old Enterprise, still coming out of where they're supposed to be coming out of, but they look much better, much cleaner and crisper. It was just like, wow. The other thing that they did too, and you probably, you may have probably noticed that they used the original negatives for the film uh, when they did the remastering. So they went back on the original negatives, remastered those. So if you look at it, the colors, the clarity looks like, looks really brilliant. Whereas like years ago, again, when I was a kid, they used to rerun the episodes all the time. Yeah, you know, you had the film grain look kind of thing going on and, you know, and they would be a little bit kind of fuzzy, a little here and there and stuff. And yet they were able to take the original negative, really go through the remaster process like they do when they restore old movies that look new now. Yeah, they did the same thing. And it looked I've never seen the episodes look that good. I mean, why did they do just, that? Why did they, they do the overhaul, the upgrade? It was I, it, I'm going to say yeah, I think it was. I think it was at least whatever ten, fifteen years ago. I think when they yeah, did this. Okay. I mean, it's been some time. Uh, I don't it. remember exactly, but yeah, it's just it. And this series really needed it, you know, badly. So now it's just so much more alive to me. Yeah. And the good thing for you is that even though it to you it's going to be a wee bit more dated than it will be to me because I grew up with it, it still looks a hell of a lot better for you to enjoy it now. Yeah, as opposed to you know. That, you probably a, wouldn't have been able to put up with the, with the, yeah, with the effects of the original. No, I pro that's a good point, Great, You explained it nicely. I probably couldn't have because it's just too much of a step down. It's like you, you're not going to play the 8-bit graphics, which we joke about on, <laughs> yeah. our, on the Extreme PC UK podcast that we do with our, our friend Nick because it's too dated, even though you grew up with them. That's ironic. But yeah, I'm like you. I grew up with them as well to an extent, and, and I don't look back. I don't like to go back on what I've done in the past for that kind of thing. Okay. So it's yep. the same for me when it comes to this. We start off with better graphical overhaul, but keeping it authentic uh, to the original, keeping that bit of kind of rustic 
kind of 60s vibe to it uh, and not going too much. So I actually agree with you, mate, there. As much as it would have been nice to see uh, the TOS movie graphics, that was uh, that was just the right way to do it. Although it is yeah. annoying that the, the, the warp effect is they should have added that in because, I'm sorry, mate, when you see the ship going to warp in this, it's just look, it looks like Impulse. There's no any, even in the remastered yeah. version, there's no way to distinguish yeah. between Impulse and Warp. And I'm sorry, everyone knows with those graphics available to them in the remaster that the stars going past are a realistic effect of if you yeah. were to travel at Warp. So that should have been then with the updated tools. That's my only gripe. Apart from that, yeah, it looks fantastic, mate. I also think there's a, there is there's one more problem with the effect, uh, not just the fact of, make, of keeping it true to the 60s. It's the actual overall length. The problem is, is that you can't make the episodes longer than they were. So that means if you have a scene of the Enterprise doing whatever it's doing and you try to put in a warp effect, that adds another two or three seconds. If yeah. you do it again, it adds another three or four seconds. Before you know it, you've added 30, you know, 25, 30 seconds and that, that ain't flying. Why so not? that's probably a secondary consideration that they did, mm. you know, mm. but mm. everything else, you know, you know, it's cool. I mean, it was just nice seeing it. Just beautiful looking. Anyway, they done it the right way. So yeah, we'll, we'll kick yeah. off with this here. And if people like this kind of reviewing old ep episodes and it could be from anything, it can be from any of the other Star Trek series. Just let us know what's your favorite and why. And uh, we, we may try, we may, may go over it and cover it, um, especially if it's one we like as well. Uh, but of course, the only way to do that is comment below and let, and let us know and give us a thumbs up to say that you do like it. Um, and don't have to look at this and this. You can listen to us and whatever you get your podcast from. And by the way, look at the sharp shirt that Trev's, Trev has on. Yeah, pretty nice there. <laughs> and he, he has the Trekway mug as well. So, and I don't mean his face; I mean the literal cup. So, um, but yeah. So we'll we'll kick we'll kick off, and uh, yeah, uh, we finally get to see finally. Considering I'm starting this way and working my way back, I finally get <laughs> to see Doctor Daystrom, uh, who back in the sixties. Bear in mind, there wasn't as many. Uh, I would say people of color on on TV and these kind of prominent right. shows that Grace has mentioned in the past, and it's a kind of obvious uh, thing that wasn't yeah. a big deal back then. But the fact that this guy used a black uh, black actor and he's in there in a prominent role and he does a good job as well. Uh, I don't remember the actor's real real name, and if you do, Grace, you can pipe in, but I don't. Um, he is the original founder. He's literally Mister robotics mr genius of the star trek era he done the original oh, what was uh, it? just uh, the actor's name is william marshall there you go willie boy willie marshall um he done the original duotronics uh circuitry that kind of level of computing on the tos uh, version of star trek and he is the true kind of brains really behind the advances and technology going forwards, especially when it comes to computing and computing power. And this is his next big thing that he's bringing along, Gray. He has AI. He's invented uh, a computer that can literally do it all. And the reason, like Gray mentioned, we brought that up is because they've had that in Star Trek Picard in recent times. And also as well, to an extent, and uh, well, not to an extent, and was it season two of Discovery? where uh, you literally had 
central, I think they called it, like the, the, the heart of the Federation was literally controlled mm. by bloody AI and you couldn't get anywhere near the thing. Uh, it took over a body and, and went nuts and started trying to, along with Section 31, trying to take everyone down. I did like that angle. And we've seen it more than once, Gray, like AI in Star Trek. Trying well, to the, the interesting on. thing about this is that being so, you know, back in the late 60s and everything, yes, there were some science fiction stories that kind of uh, went on the subject matter of this, of what would happen if a computer took over, but it was never really done much if any, on TV or movies until Trek did it. Yeah. So again, you see it a lot now, the 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 story of Many Peter first goes rogue thing. But Star Trek did it first, pretty much, or one of the first. So this is and so when you look at this episode, anybody goes back and looks at it, try to remember that. This came before, way before yeah. all the other people started doing it. Yeah. And uh Daystrom, like you mentioned, uh is if it wasn't for Daystrom's discovery in the Star Trek universe the computers never would have been so advanced to run a starship. So, and he did that in his early twenties in this episode, he's 45 that, that there's a relevance to that. We won't get into yet. Yeah. He, he, um, he, if you think about Star Trek enterprise, the, the, the show, the precursor to that, the computing was very basic. I mean, it probably state the art for that time for what they've got. You've always got to state the art, computers and computing power mm. technology on starships and in, in star in star trek it's it's got to have the best and the latest state of the art and i think in the in, in next generation jordy mentions the fact that bloody computer runs like most of the length of the bloody ship it's huge you know it's like several decks yeah. at least anyway so these things are always massive and in this one uh daystrom is actually uh He's going through, it's called the, the M5 computer, right? Um, and we do ask, well, we ask the question ourselves, and it's asked in the episode, what happened to M1 through to 4? And he basically says they didn't go to plan, which I put OO. Uh, so the writing was <laughs> on the wall straight away. As soon as you heard that, you're like, yeah, this is how this episode is going to last 47. I see. Um, well, you know, that's logical prototypes. <laughs> they don't always work. True, true, true. Um, this makes sense. So this is the M5. Not to be confused with a future um, Apple CPU that may come out in a few years or a BMW car. <laughs> or, um, they came after. Uh, the original M5 um, is getting installed in aboard the Enterprise. And what I like about this, Gray, is when, they, when Daystrom comes aboard and he's doing his thing, he basically kind of wants to take over and just be left his own devices and everyone needs to disappear. Um, and he uh, is having a conversation with Spock and Kirk about this. Um, and he's not too happy. I think basically to say Kirk and Spock are not too happy about this uh, because he... I should actually... Sorry, a precursor is they actually go to uh, a starbase um, and they're going to get this done, Starbase. And it's when uh, one of Kirk's uh, colleagues beams on board uh, Commodore Wesley to say that, you know, this is what's going to happen. We're going to play some war games with this new M5 computer and blah, blah, blah. Um, and he also told him, too, at that, right at that point, he says, we're taking all your people off the ship yeah. and putting them on the car. And he's going like, what are you talking about? 
he wasn't happy about yeah. that. Why? Yeah, there's like that's what it's like four hundred people. It's like why do you need to do this? Like, th- there's no need for it. Like, you, you let your computer take over, but why do we need to remove the people? And he's got a point. Like, we'll sit back with our hands, but it's it's the same with a self-driving car at the moment. All the tests they're doing at the moment, certainly in the UK, maybe different from the states, but in the UK, someone's still got to be behind the wheel, just in sure. case something goes wrong. Uh, when they make these advances in the, the, the self-driving cars, which I don't think will ever 100% fully properly see There's too many things that could go wrong. Um, mm. But um, only 20 members can remain on board, and they're supposed to be key essential personnel, which they are, uh, to kind of some of the senior crew and whatnot. And the rest of them are going to be uh, held, uh, I don't know if it would be detention or security on the Starbucks, which seems extreme like just it, it let, does them surely. Yeah. let them have shore leave man what that was a bit of a a right yeah, it was a security it said it was a security level uh area something like that i did like what like, i think the writers maybe made a bit of a boo-boo with that one there was no need for that line at all it makes sense maybe but it but it also it was good for the story in a sense because kirk was was pissed off about it oh yeah you know? true. He, doesn't, he doesn't want to see his crew all shoved into a you know small station i mean this is true. This is true. I don't recall what station it was, but you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they're not happy about it, uh, especially Bones. Bones is the money one, definitely the money one of the lot, the one that complains the most. He bitches and moans about everything, and, and, and I love that because I'm like that. I moan and gurn and complain a lot, so Bones is kind of me, really, in this, this uh, grand scheme of things. And he often sticks his nose in where a surgeon's got no business sticking his nose in, ever. But if he hadn't, it would the chemistry between those three wouldn't be there, yeah. and he wouldn't be one of the key characters. I'm kind of glad he does. Um, but of course, the only one person that does like it, Grey, of all these, of the three of the, uh, the main core characters, is Spock. He's the logical one. Logic computers are kind of Lovers really aren't they? They're, they're they're very similar to one another, and it's something that he is, in the best way you possibly can say for Vulcan, excited about this. Oh, mm-hmm. he's he, he's followed Doctor Daystrom's uh, career for years. He said, and he's excited to see what this can do. There was even a, a part I forget which which point in the in the episode, but Daystrom uh, went to Spock saying uh, something about you know. I'm paraphrasing, but you know, you know a lot about computers. And he said, "Yeah, I have an A7 rating from the Vulcan Institute." So yeah, that's a good Spock line, yeah. doing his little, his little unemotional bragging, saying that A7 is like the highest achievement you can get. Wow. Uh, so he knows computers. So it's like, oh, okay, you know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so so Spock's uh, so Daystrom's got a new fan of Spock. Safe to say, um, they they kind of leave the main engineer where. Um, Daystrom's doing his thing and, and putting the final touches to the M5 and he's talking with Bones and telling Bones about his concerns and he mentions, he says, I've got a red alert just about here and I yeah. I love this, there's little one-liners in this that are brilliant and and I'm like, I know what you mean, like the hairs are standing up in your neck, you're yeah. obviously concerned but I've got a red alert I've never heard that one before, Greg, but I like that line. Yeah, red alert right here <laughs> Right there, <laughs> like not here there. Not here, not here, but there. Yeah. Um, something's wrong. You guys, something's wrong about it. I don't know. Something is wrong indeed. Um, now, at the start, we're going to do basic stuff like course corrections and plotting courses and, and things like that. Nothing too nuts. And they're going to build up to the war games, you know. 
Um, and I've got to get to the location where the war games are. So, so basic maneuvers and then set course and then we do our thing. Um, and it's kind of muscle memory at this stage. Kirk's asking yeah. Sulu for a standard orbit. Um, and he's like, it's already been done. You know, the M5's done it. He's like, eh, I, I can't blame Kirk for that muscle memory. He's used to seeing these things. It's going yeah. to take a bit of time for Kirk to go... Right, yeah, okay, I'm just going to sit back and chill and have a, a drink or something because there's nothing for him to really do. Um, and one thing, you, you're not really a Doctor Who fan here, Gray, but bear with me. Uh, both shows, uh, there's not many similarities between them, but there's one similarity here that you see the effects of the M5 working. Now, bear in mind, this is the 60s. They've got limited technology with the cues for CGI. And I have to much, well, Star Trek's my favourite franchise. Doctor Who's the longest-running sci-fi show of all time, so you could say mm-hmm. Who's done a lot of things first. And I'm not saying Trek copied here, because I haven't the evidence to suggest they do or didn't. But they can, yeah. uh, there's a computer here with lines going up and down, which is cool. And then there's like a, a circular dial to the left with a kind of wavy effect. Yeah, like, you bunch know, of coloured lights. And that's very Doctor Who-esque, that thing there, yeah. the wavy lights. You see that in well, the early two yeah. credits. That's typical 60s kind of... Yeah. Like, oh, it could make sense. Yeah. I, who, who's to say right now that doesn't make Looks sense? Good. I mean, you know? it was okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, even back then and now looking at it, it's kind of fine. So I see this effect of them fine. I'm thinking Doctor Who, nice. Um, now... We get uh, the explanation of uh, the landing party requirements from the M5. Now, Park initially uh, suggests who he would take down on a landing party to the planet. And right. they want to correlate that with what M5 would choose. And M5 chooses 95% of the same personnel as Kurt, apart from one of the officers. And they're trying to explain, like, M5, explain why you've done such and such. Oh, this officer's done this, but that officer hasn't done that. And he's like, really? And then Kirk, actually, it's not 95%. It's probably a bit less. Kirk and, mm-hmm. Kirk and Bones? Yeah, Kirk and Bones were on that landing party that Kirk wanted to arrange. But they're not an M5's landing party. And M5 basically just is like... You're, you're not required to not needed for that. Yeah, non, non essential personnel. He goes, non essential <laughs> personnel. <laughs> like, oh. So, who does the voice of these? I thought it was maybe uh, I don't know. James Doon, like, because he's a voice guy, so he could have. Who knows? Um, but you, you basically, because this is Daystrom's kind of baby, when he, uh, when M5 gives the explanation of its landing party, there's a smug look from Daystrom. I'm just Guess what? like I had to look it up really quick. Jimmy Doing did do the voice of the Empire. There you go. See, I reckon I'm sure I recognized it, man. You know why? It costs a lot less money to have Jimmy do it because Jimmy's a linguistic. He could do all this garbage. Yeah, uh, you could hear it. You could hear it, man. Just yeah, because like Grace yeah. he's used to doing things like that. Um so yeah, well, there you go. After a little smug look from uh Daystrom on his baby being correct, which I don't like, it was a bit demeaning. Um we notice slowly but surely the M5 is turning off power in certain parts of certain decks of the ship. At start, it's a bit of a concern, but then you, you, when, they, when they query it, it, it just makes sense. Daystrom's like, yeah, it's kind of normal. It's shutting off power to decks where there's no one there. It's not required because they, you know, as we find out, and we find out even more so throughout 
the episode, the M5 does need more juice than a normal computer, which makes sense. Every time we upgrade our graphics cards, it's like, sure. okay, I'm going to have to get another thousand watt power supply and another Your electric case. bill. Oh. Uh, yeah, so, you know, I mean, it's, I'd love to see an electric bill for Enterprise and then five man woofed. Um, so everything's getting turned off a little bit, surely, which makes sense. There's only 20 people on board. They're probably in key areas. All good. Now, mm-hmm. um, we we get uh, unscheduled war games uh, initially um, from from the M5, and it was kind of a good job. It it kind of pulls off most of the stuff it's supposed to do. It's like a little precursor just to throw it off the scent because it's expecting certain war games at a certain time, but to then to have something before where it's doing a couple of mock shots um, and some tactical stuff unaware that what was coming was probably a truer test of it. Uh, and it pulls it off fine. Uh, we get a nice line from... I told you there's a few nice one-liners in this. We get a nice line from Spock uh, standing beside Kirk having this conversation. Is Kirk's feeling a bit hopeless and useless. And he basically says... you know, It's a longer line, but he says, basically, a starship runs on loyalty. Basically saying to his friend, Kirk doesn't matter what happens, who gets replaced or who who stays, who goes. Uh, even with an M5 in charge, he basically still thinks Enterprise should still have Kirk there uh, regardless. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, great. It's a, it's a true testament to his friendship uh, and his loyalty to the ship and to Kirk, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's why the, the, the top three always got along so well. And they were friends as actors as well. Yeah. Uh, sure. Very good friends. But you could see the proper emotion, if you want to call it that, coming out of Spock just shows that, look, you know, it doesn't matter. And in fact, there was another line at some point in the episode where he said, uh, uh, computers are useful tools, and uh, but I would not want to serve under one. You know, which, uh, which makes a lot of sense, too. So there's a lot of good writing in this, this episode. That everything kind of just made sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, Kirk is feeling a bit bad after this, especially so, because... Um, Commodore Wesley, who had a kind of unscheduled war games just before, uh, makes a kind of nasty comment that I didn't know about initially until they explain it after, basically saying to Kirk, um, uh, good job, Captain Dunzel. And I was like, what? Captain? And then Bone says it as well. He's like, Dunzel, who the hell is that? And I'm hoping for yeah. an explanation. We do get an explanation. The explanation is uh, a captain back in the olden days that really... Well, sort of a piece of a ship, a sailing ship back in the day that didn't really have a purpose or a use. Right, served no a- purpose. A.K.A. Kirk. And that's why he just walks off the bridge not saying anything when, when, when he speaks to Spot. Uh, you really like the, the, the characters of uh, Wesley and Daystrom you have mentioned here, Griff. Yeah, I, uh, the, both the actors we had mentioned were, uh, before William Marshall, uh, but even the guy that played Commodore Wesley was a very good actor. And I think I remember seeing him in movies back then. Um, but I thought they they were really good. They they sold their part really well, each of them, um, especially Wesley, because when he was commanding the war games, he's commanding four ships. Yeah. Um, and he's and he's a Commodore, too. Uh, yeah. So he really had the authority and he really acted like and he knew what he was doing. So it, I, I when I saw that episode, I, I had little dreams like going like, wow, it'd be cool to see Wesley like in a in a role. The better Wesley, not the yeah, the better, right? The better Wesley, but 
<laughs> and I made a little comment because even though they're friends, he really made like a real prick remark to 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 him saying Captain Dunn. So that was not yeah, that was not nice at all. And you knew they knew Kirk was pissed, you know, and stuff. But you know, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they tried to console him after that or whatever. But the best consolation as we're coming up next was uh, he oh, goes yeah. to his court. He goes to his quarters, Kirk, and yeah. he's like, you know, puffing and puffing. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, uh, what do you call it? Bones walks in and he thought he didn't know what was under the tray. He thought it was food. Like, I'm not really hungry right now. He says, who said anything about food? It's a pair of teeth. <laughs> and you see these two little glasses with some green alcohol. This is a brew that I made up. It's two wee drammies, great. Two wee drams of probably whiskey or something. But I was great because I love Shatner's expressions. He takes a drink and he goes, Oh, that's oh, good shit, oh, basically. That's, yeah, that's good that's, shit. <laughs> that's I like this. This is good. None of that synth hall no, crap. No synth hall junk. No, the real stuff. He's but, like, okay. Was synth a thing in TOS or was it actually TNG um, got it in? I think it was TNG, wasn't it? Can't remember. Positive. Um, I, hmm. I had to look it up. I think it was brought in in TOS at some point, but I'm not really sure. It was definitely a bigger thing. TNG, even if it was brought in in TOS, it probably wasn't mentioned much of TOS, because Scotty's, I think it was because, or maybe not, I don't know. Great, you can find out, let us know, because yeah, TNG, yeah. certainly when Scotty comes in the episode in TNG, he, he's like, Synthahol? Like, no, I don't want that crap from Guinan, I want the proper stuff, Guinan's <laughs> like, okay, and that's when he starts the whole reminisce thing, gets pissed, goes to the holodeck to reminisce on the original Enterprise, no bloody A, B, C, or D, you know, that kind of thing. Um... <laughs> Which is brilliant. So I don't know if it was mentioned in TOS, uh, but originally by, uh, mentioned by TOS. It was, it was TNG. There you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it was a TOS actor on TNG, which makes sense. So anyway, right, okay. In fact, in fact, here's an interesting little fact, though. Okay. Uh, when Roddenberry was still alive and TNG first started, he said that he decided that Synthahol was invented by the Ferengi. <laughs> makes sense when you think about it, Quark and his bar and all that stuff. Right. That's true. But you think what would one be selling booze? Proper booze makes more money. Um no, never get I'm rid sure. of booze in the future. Um uh, can't do that. So uh because um you know uh M is performing so well, um it, it you know it's it's carrying on with its mission and we we get um a new contact in the sensors and it isn't a drill. Um it's uh it turns out that it's uh an old uh, ore freighter converted to automation so maybe a very very early precursor of an automated starship which i guess makes sense there's nothing powerful yeah, or strong just, on this you know um doesn't have to be right it just flies like one or two directions yeah well we mentioned that with um the navigation officer of from enterprise who grew up on cargo ships going at warp one that still take forever because you know they're going fast distances so probably something mm -hmm. like this automated um right. and the bridge crew uh can't change the course which is a, a concern straight away because this the m5 is piloting the ship directly for this freighter and it shouldn't be because it wasn't called for uh, and Kirk's trying to tell Sulu what to change direction to change direction. I can't, Captain, you know, locked out, M5. Uh, and you could see the panic in, in Kirk's eyes. Uh, and then, literally, the, the, the Enterprise opens fire on the, the ore freighter and blows it up. And that's when you see the cool phaser shots properly for the first time from the dome underneath. 
and the distress in Kirk, literally, he was just like, oh my, what the hell has happened here? Now, thankfully, no one was on board that, but Kirk's obviously upset, pissed off, what's just happened here, he wants, he wants control of his bloody shit back, safe to say, you know? Um, he knows right then that if they go into the war games and that happens, yeah. it's going to be bad news. Yeah, because so, the kill switch is not working blood. anymore, is it? The kill switch—he's got a little thing to yeah. the right of his uh, chair, a little add-on thing module with a couple of uh, switches, which he does turn on at the start of the episode to activate M five, but that's not working anymore. So we should probably mention that. Typical, yep. though. <laughs> um, yeah, of course. <laughs> so you mentioned here some serious stuff, and yes, damn right. Even though no one, no one was killed, it's still not good, like Grace says, for the war games coming up. Um, now. They try to then disconnect the power because they can't turn M5 off. So they're digging into Engineer and Scotty's asking one of these engineers to go over and make some modifications. And he does. He goes over to where, where the warp core is, tries to make some modifications, and then a bolt of kind of energy comes out from where the M5 console is to the left, across to the, uh, the, the warp engines, and literally vaporizes them. Now, I don't recall what that graphic looked like in the original Grey because it was touched up here, but he literally oh, yeah, disappears better. straight away. So I'd imagine it would be a bit crappier looking. In the it, it was, <laughs> as far as to how he disappeared, it was very similar, but the beam was much better looking, thicker, different color, um, and everything in the, in the master, remastered. So yeah. But like, I loved it later on when they were talking about after the, of course, the engineer gets killed, you know, they're all like flipping out because. Of course, he should be flipping out. He just got killed. But the thing that was was funny was was uh, Daystrom is like upset, you know, they got killed or whatever. And he said, "Well, M five needed more power, so it decided to tap the engines, and your engineer just simply got in the way." And then yeah. Kirk was going, "Kirk, or, or no, it was Bones, I think, got in the way." And he's like screaming at him. He says, "He just killed somebody." I said, "That's murder." It, w- it was a, like, Ooh. it was a, it was a, a, a thick beam. Uh, how many C's on that thick gray? At least three. How many seen? I don't know. <laughs> Gray likes the thick beam. Um, so yeah, uh, this beam literally, have, uh, I mean, it makes sense what he says, right? It tried to get more power. It didn't think about who was in front of it. It just got the power. It wasn't It wasn't trying to murder this. It was more like well, manslaughter, as we call it in the UK. It probably knew he was there, so it was murder, but he didn't intend, it. It didn't, he didn't intend to murder him, if that makes sense, Gray. I think the, fun, the, the the cool way that they did that whole scene was they left you totally guessing. Now, did he just tap it because M5 wanted the power? Or did he say, this guy is going to try to screw with me, so I'll kill him? Yeah. And it just happened to accomplish both things, you know, and it's like, you know. And at this point, now Spock's starting to suspect, like, you know, what's going on here? And why is it acting like this? You know, he's he's really get, getting suspicious of what's going on because why does it have to have this much power? Why does it have to do this? Why is it doing that? Yeah, yeah, as a good science officer should. Um, they they have a debrief uh, on the senior officers and what what they what they can really do here. Uh, and Bones says to Spock that, uh, which I found interesting. Basically, whatever you're, you know, he knows them, he knows them all too well. And he's like, basically, right. whatever you're going to say, please don't say it's fascinating because I think that just pisses bones off. And Spock goes, no, no, it's not fascinating. Pause. But it is interesting. And bones is just. <laughs> you see his eyes roll. Like, <laughs> and you know, it's Spock kind of did it on purpose. Because oh, yeah. he's going like, no, 
but it is interesting. <laughs> like, uh, that was good. It was it great. Was. Who said? Yeah. Who says Vulcans don't have humor? That's like, right. Nonsense. Um, so yeah, after this, Kirk says uh, makes an interesting point actually, which I didn't notice at the time, Gray. And if you recall, mm-hmm. after seeing it a couple of times, Kirk mentions that Daystrom actually won't hasn't really let Spock anywhere near it. He's actually tried to keep Spock away from the M5, which does make sense because he is the next leading expert on that ship to evaluate and help with things like that, you know? So did you did that click with you at all back in the day when you said it? I'm not maybe the first time you've seen it, but later on... Oh, yeah, yeah. Sense? I thought it was odd that, you know, something that Spock really liked so much, it was part of, you know, his thing, and he knew computers, why wouldn't he let him talk to him? And there was times where... Even Spock offered to help, and Daystrom said, "No, no, 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 no! I got it, I got it." So you could tell he was trying to keep him away from looking at it or what he was doing or, or looking at the console or anything. Yeah, makes sense. All makes late, sense. You know, which made sense as the episode went on. The writing was on the wall, really. If you put two and two together mm-hmm. early on, Daystrom's at this stage. He's kind of protecting it, like he's it's his child. Which, in a way, it kind of is. If you think of these these guys, these scientists and whatnot. These inventions kind of are like their babies in a way, you know, so they do want to protect it and they get a bit blind and a bit mad about it all, really. Um, mm. Spock and and Scotty are actually, it seems initially, successful in a manual override. In, which I found amusing, the tube they're in looks so identical to uh, the episode in Strange New Worlds where you hear Scotty's voice but you don't <laughs> see anything. You just see Ethan Peck in there. Now, obviously, yeah. I should say the one in Strange New Worlds looks like the one in TOS. But I just, that, I remember that, Gray, and I thought, that's a nice little touch. They're in this like, vertical Jeffrey's tube, you know, pulling things now, out. And... You know what they call those, right? In the TOS as well as uh, Strange New Worlds? Called, called the Jeffrey's tube. You see yeah. it referenced. Yeah, they that's what I just said, a, ver- a vertical Jeffrey's tube. Yeah, but you know who it was named after? Someone it was named Jeffrey. after a set a set designer for Star Trek. I believe his name is Matt Jeffries. There you go. And so they named the tube after him because he built the thing. A tube. Imagine naming a tube after someone, man. I mean, it, yeah. it makes sense. You can't say they're in the tube. This will have the same ring to it. He's in the Jeffries yes, tube. Some writer just kind of put in there. It's a Jeffries tube, and they go, oh, "Okay, that's stuck." <laughs> so that makes sense. That was a nice little touch yeah. I noticed, and, and and I liked that. To be fair. Um, mm-hmm. So they think they're initially successful. Scotty's trying to replace something. Initially, he's getting a bit of a overwhelming. I don't know if it was like a flash or something. It wasn't the the beam from before. It was like a flash. Like M five is trying to fight back or something. But he kind of right. bears it and, and and puts this device in, triggers the override, and they think you know they're 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 successful. Um, they're they're good and 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 everything's great. Um, uh, but. Daystrom, just before they complete this, is very animated at the start. Like he's he's at the bottom of the the, the vertical vertical Jeffrey's tube. He's trying to stop them. He's almost reaching out. No, yeah. no, please, no. Like like a bit didn't make sense. He seemed a bit nuts almost. You know, Spock literally had to grab him. Like Spock, sorry, Kirk literally had to grab him and stop yeah. him from getting interfering. And then you're thinking at this stage, Gray, that this guy's a couple of dilithium crystals short of a warp core, isn't he? Yeah, just a little. <laughs> They're starting to suspect something going on. He's a bit nuts. He's a bit nuts, you know. So, but then Kirk's just like, come on, let this, make this end. Um, you think you think this is too easy? I I, I believe that it actually 
because I didn't have too long to go in episodes when I was watching it at this stage. And I think, thinking, have they done it really? Chekhov and Sulu are still unable to manoeuvre the ship. Ah, uh, here we go. Turns out this was really sneaky and genius. The M5 rerouted the controls, right? Uh, but kept the circuit that we're working on active to throw them off the chase. Now, Gray mentions here, smart, evil computer. Um, <laughs> there's AI at work properly, Gray. I thought this bit was brilliant, didn't you? Oh, I did too. It was great. It was. It made total sense in the world, and, and it actually had real real uh, the- electrical theory because what Spock said is he said he's, they sent a pulse, an electronic pulse, to, see, to, keep, to keep it thinking it was alive when it really wasn't. Yeah. So all they saw was they were seeing the sparks, they were seeing this and that. And That's probably what that flash them. of light is that Scotty got in there. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I thought it was brilliant that the computer, you know, figured out like, oh, all right, I'll 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 mess you up. This is, you're not taking me out. I'll just, oh. you know, send you on it. And even Spock goes, I think we were going on what was called a wild goose chase. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does make sense when you think about it. A really super computer like that, as knows exactly where they're going on the ship, what they're doing, it can see what they're doing at all times. And of course it knows what they're going to do, so it tries to throw them off the scent. Um, mm-hmm. And it does make sense. Um, now, we're, we're starting to approach upon the, the smaller MADA fleet that are going to have proper um, scheduled war games with. And we, start, we, we did touch on this at the start, about Gray mentioned that there was only ever a couple of starships on screen at any one time for obvious uh, limitations back in the 60s, uh, but we see all other four starships excluding the Enterprise, so that's five. Um, and I, I, I was at asking here how many were in the original. So how did they do this scene back in the original grave with all these other ships? Did you only ever see the Lexington at one time and then one of the other ships and then you saw the registration numbers and whatnot? So what, from the from what I understand and what I can remember, um, they actually shot the other starships were all the one model of the Enterprise, and all they did was just change the name and the number, and then they would shoot the scenes, and that's it. Because they couldn't afford to build, you know, too many Enterprises. I think in the entire series, the original series, there was only one or two, and that's it. Wow. And one still survives today. That's been totally re, uh, refurbished and is, I think. It's hanging in one museum somewhere now. Well, whoever uh, owns the other ones probably had to pay a fortune for that because you pay fortune yeah, I don't, for Starship yeah, models. There was also some that were built not to show the entire thing. Like, in other words, they would build like half of it and the other side of it was full of wires and junk because they never Lights shot that up. side. Yeah. So, so there was some that were not really completely built. They were done that way for a reason. Uh, because again, remember, they didn't have CGI. Everything was totally hand built. Um, there is a video on online where uh, uh, they go to the uh, they show the original Enterprise and the work that was done on it and everything. And I'll tell you, the people that built stuff like that back then were extremely talented. I mean, that was not an easy ship to build to make look real, and they took such care with it; it was un- unbelievable. Oh yeah, to pull I had it to think off. Nothing like the box. that, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. I had to think outside the box because you're limited in what you've got. But it's, it's remarkable, even more so, what they managed to pull off. Um, oh yeah. So we do see all the all four starships at the same time, which is really impressive. I mean, the Lexington that uh, Commodore um, Wesley's uh, in command of, which, bear in mind, Commodore's like Admiral Light, so he's still ahead of Kirk, really, in the, in the rankings. Um, that's got most of the action, I guess, in this, uh, and it takes one of the biggest beatings, but 
Um, is the M5 uh, pilot in the ship uh, approaches? It is. It is literally getting ready to destroy them. Um, it's 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 on a mission literally to wipe to wipe them out. Uh, it then hits Commodore Wesley's ship, the Lexington, uh, with phasers on full strength. And and you see the whole time Kirk sitting in the captain's chair, Grant. He's absolutely pissing a sweat. Like he's he's just like, oh my god, what we're watching. I'm witnessing a massacre here, kind of thing. You know, what yep. a horrible position to be in to be the mighty Captain Kirk and be able to do nothing. You know. It's... Yeah, I mean, he's just like a, he couldn't do anything. Yeah, the, the he the M five is maneuvering over and over again to shoot these ships, and you see, so you, this is where you see the really beautiful remastering. You see the swooping ships, you see the phasers shooting out and hitting the other starships and so forth. It's just it looked it looked really good. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah, started. initially when, the, when they started to hit the Commodore ship, of course, you hear all of a sudden fifty three people are dead, and Kirk is or Shatner as Kirk has really shown his emotion, going like. All these people are dying in front of me. I can't do anything. Yeah. It was it was terrible, and he just was like, "What is he gonna do?" Yeah, um, you see, Wesley actually trying to talk to Kirk. You can, from the Enterprise's view, you can see and hear Wesley, uh, but Wesley cannot hear or see Kirk, and he's like, "What are you doing, man? What are you trying to prove?" And Kirk's like, uh, "Hello, can you hear me? You know, not, nothing's happening at all. Yep. Uh, it, done on purpose, I think, by M five, obviously." Uh, and as Gray mentions, mentioned just there, the look in his face of distraught, you know, it was good acting from, from Shatner. He was really struggling to see what's going on here. Um, and then they have the great idea, because it is, it, where it comes from is the reason it's so good at what it does is it seems almost human like this M5, but with the rapid speed uh, of a computer. And it turns out that it was based on human engrams. Um, right. And those human engrams, I don't know, brainwaves or whatever, are taken from Dr. Daystrom himself. And this is making sense. And, ah, okay, okay. So they're putting two and two together here and they're going, right, why don't we try and talk to it like it's a child? Because it's kind of acting like that, but it's, 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 you know, it's super intelligent and dangerous at the same time. Um, let's talk to the, the M5 to actually try and talk it down, which I think is kind of genius, really. Um, sure. And Daystrom's basically you know, trying to talk it down, but then he kind of loses his a bit. He starts losing it, yeah. Slowly, the actor did a great job. At first, he started <sighs> sound like he was making sense, and he was saying like, you know, we cannot kill you. Have, you've murdered those people, and what you know. And he's like, oh, you know. And then all of a sudden, he starts flipping out and starts starts talking about his career when he was younger and that they made. Like, a fool what? out of him when he was older, and like he's like, and like Bo- Bones is looking at him, going like, "Geez, should I give him a shot now or what?" what yeah, but, but Bones is basically then Bones goes, he looks like he's about to have a nervous breakdown, and that's yep. when Spock goes up, right, Vulcan, there, pinch, let's take this poor bugger, put him out of his misery, take him away, and then they're like, <laughs> "What they're going to do now?" Because you know, Dasham was talking to it like it was his child in a way, but then um, after. Vulcan nerve pinch, um, best acting from a Vulcan nerve pinch ever. The Grey mentions here. That's a very good point, actually. I'm, I'm telling you, I've never, <laughs> I've seen the Vulcan neck pinch so many times in different reactions to whatever. Right? Oh. I've never seen anybody, anybody react so good. Um, he was like the actor was like perfectly whatever face, right? 
And as soon as the pinch happens, he just, in like two seconds, he just goes like this. It was great. <laughs> it was perfect. And all of a sudden he's like, Bleh. and I'm like, I couldn't help myself. It looked so oh, good. Do you remember earlier on the episode where they first tried to take uh, out the M5 and Kirk uh, uh, walks into engineering and he zapped, right? Now, this yeah. makes absolutely zero sense, but he zapped, right, with a low kind of power pulse, like a warning pulse. And then what yeah. does Shatner okay. do? He dives to the left, which makes absolute no sense in physics whatsoever. If anything, you just drop or backwards. you fall back. But he died to the left. <laughs> I'm like, what? Okay, so I think, I think that was another. Than you. I think what that was is again the constraints of the set because as they came in, if he had to flow back, fly backwards, you would have not seen him. Number one, he probably would have hit the the the, the uh, doorway thing or whatever that was. So they had to make it more dramatic. So somebody said, "Well, I'll just have him go over to the side." Like, okay, <laughs> we'll buy it. We'll buy it. Um, okay. uh, but yeah, so so at this stage, it's now up to Kurt to try and talk the M five down. Uh, which is which is which is genius, really. Um, of course. And Kirk asks the M five, you know, he's like, "You've killed all these officers." Um, Wait, M5's... before before he did that though, I thought it was really interesting. Oh. He was seeing. He says uh, he was explaining that you've killed these people, whatever. And he goes, uh, "Scan the sh- the uh, I don't know that was I'm like it was a Lexington. I think it was one of the other ships, mm-hmm. the Temkin or whatever." He says, scan the ship. What do you detect? Any life? And he goes, no life. And when I remember when I originally saw the episode for the first time and I heard that line, no life, I'm going, oh, my God, that's 430 people or more gone. What was it, ship. though? It wasn't. It says 53. I don't recall anyone no, ever no, no, saying no. no. That was, I know, 53 on the Commodore ship on the first attack. Uh, but as it kept on attacking, remember, it kept on attacking, attacking, swooping yeah, around. Attacking yeah, good again. point. And then the one ship was dead in the it was dead in the water basically, and it had killed everyone on board the ship. And he said, "Scan, is there any life on that ship?" And he goes, "No life." How you do know. you uh, how do you kill everyone aboard a starship without actually blowing or partial blowing up a starship? The chances well, I remember are, it, it, not I really, because if it, if it had taken out life support. And, uh, true, and whatever true, they would have true, all, true. they would all, you know. I can't really nitpick too much of TOS, considering it was at the very start back in the sixties. It would be a bit unfair to really nitpick against it. But yeah, no, great, great makes a point that uh, Kirk is trying to convince it, uh, like because M five doesn't think what it's done was killing or what it's done was wrong. It was defending itself, you know. Uh, he 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 knows, you know, he. M5 knows it can't really uh, be killing there. Um, you, know, you don't do that to other... Is it getting away? Maybe thinks it's human a little bit because it's got these human engrams. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Kurt says, you know, what, what's what's the penalty for 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 killing? Um, and it says death. Now, I mentioned here, like, not we get a political debate, but back in the 60s, it certainly was different. Um mm. The, the you know certain states in America and certain places around the world the death penalty Capital was punishment. yeah it yeah. was still in place then now now there's there's not many states that have it in in, in America right. but there are still there's still a couple and there's but there's not many developed countries if any apart from that that actually have that death penalty so at the time it was accurate but certainly if right. they were to rewrite that now uh, yeah it would be, it it would probably be, a be something else wouldn't it like mm-hmm. what's the penalty uh you brought in digital health the rest of your life <laughs> it wouldn't have worked in this case <laughs> it wouldn't it have worked, worked no. but it did work perfect yeah back then so 
it's you can see the the it, the computer you know two and two equals four and as soon as he says death um it then shuts itself down uh I, and I will say there's I want to give a little kudos to Dewan that did the voice because when he said what was the penalty, there's this you know, I always say this pregnant pause. pause where he doesn't the computer doesn't say anything, I'm five, and it just goes, Death. And then and then he says, and so what you know, uh, what was the second thing he said after that? And he was talking about he says, So what it, so what are you gonna do about it? And he goes, This unit must die. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. Uh, it's good, perfect. Good voice acting from Jimmy. Um, and it's great mentions here, murder is against the laws of God and man. So, I mean, a computer, what would a computer give a shit about religion? But again, it's based on human engrams of the, of the doctor, so of Dr. Mm -hmm. Daystrom. So it understands that to some extent. Um, so it does turn itself off. Um, and it realizes uh, what it's done. Uh, so it doesn't blow itself up because that would be killing everyone else. It just turns itself off so that the other ships can then take it out because the other ships, uh, Commodore Wesley contacts the Starfleet HQ to tell them what's happened and get permission to take out the Enterprise, which is granted. So you're seeing all these yep. ships coming towards the Enterprise going to blow up, uh, and, and that's what M5 wanted so that uh, it could be punished for what it done, which is poetic justice and kind of might, blows my yeah. mind a little bit, actually, Gray. Uh, it wants to kill itself, like Spock even said. He said, "Just M five is committing suicide." Yeah, but yeah, well, it could yeah. blow itself up. It could just set an auto destruct. It didn't. True, but it didn't want is to take out the human life. So that that is suicide. If you just power yourself down, and let someone to kill you, that's murder. Then I guess that's the difference. Right. So it wasn't really suicide in a way, and the way it was, and the way it wasn't. Um, but as Wesley's ship uh, closes in. He does break off pursuit last minute because he looks, uh, he, he can see and using his sensors, powers down, the Enterprise is dead in the water. It looks like anyway, why would I fire on a ship that's dead in the water? But some, you know, obviously the, we, we think, oh, maybe it's a trap from M5. Anyone else would have tried to blow up Grey. But, you know, he didn't. He, he actually breaks off attack. And it's kind of thank God that that happens because... Yeah. Kirk then says, I know Wesley well, and that's the kind of thing he would do. I'm preying on his humanity. And he pulls through. Thank God, otherwise they're they're gone, you know. So uh and we get a last funny line, Gray, from um Spock when they're in the turbo lift. Yeah. <laughs> Which was absolutely It's brilliant. a really good one. It would have been interesting, he basically says to Bones. If your human engrams were imprinted onto the M5, it would have been a mess of illogical thoughts or something along those lines. And I'm so just the like... A lot of illogical thoughts would have been fascinating. Like, I was just like, what? <laughs> you could almost see a smile just slightly on spot. And Bones is just like, you SOB, man. Um, yeah, it's classic Spock and uh, Bones moment that you put here, Grace. So that's why those three work really, really well. Um, you have a little note at the end, Gray, and you can obviously give us your score for the. Your... Yeah, I mean, I just, I just was mentioning we kind of got into it earlier, but uh, you know, the as far as the remaster being so good, if 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 anybody out there, you know, similarish to Trev has not seen TOS or not much of it, you really need to go back and watch the remastered. The remastered is great. I would only say out of the 
what is it, 79 episodes or whatever, I would say probably around three, four, five episodes truly are dated. Um, but the rest of them really aren't that dated. I mean, the, the, the stories and the writing and the, and the acting and everything still holds up really well. Sure. And because it's remastered, it's far easier to, to I don't want to say it the wrong, wrong way, but far easier to take, I guess, if you want to yeah. look at it that way. Um, because it looks just so much more beautiful. I mean, you don't, you just, I never saw the Enterprise looking that good ever. So to me, it's almost like watching a new episode. And there are certain episodes where they're, they're just little things. Like they, like for instance, in the original series, when the, when the uh, Enterprise pulled up to a planet, it was usually always the same one or two planets. It would just pull <laughs> up the planet. It was always, it was always the same planet. This one was, okay, maybe this one's a little different color. But it was really pretty much the same thing all the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. they made a point of it in this in the remaster that every time it pulls up to a planet, it's something different. Totally. There's a planet that looks like Earth-like. There's a planet that looks volcanic. There's a planet that looks so every time it pulls up to a planet throughout the 79 episodes, there's a whole bunch of different planets. Great. It doesn't pull up. It's yeah. not a, it's not a car. No, I know. It goes in <laughs> orbit, whatever. And instead of just going like this, like here's the planet and the old effects were and that was it. That, what, now what, they actually show it. They actually show it kind of, kind of curving around the planet. See, they had limitations back in the day, always, uh, obviously. And and and, Gray says this: the the Enterprise only goes like straight lines from left to right, and forwards, backwards, that kind of thing. But sometimes when it was going in that straight line, or especially the diagonal line, it still looked like it was janky. Yeah. Now, like I'm sorry, if you put the Enterprise on a model, um, the the model of the Enterprise on a kind of little trolley thing to move it along it shouldn't be going up and down it's as if a guy was holding it like a puppet and he was drunk so even back then <laughs> i i'm convinced even with the limitations they could have got that to go smoothly in a straight line but that's that's my small nitpick that's it it's not a complaint hey, they're, they're lucky they actually pulled off a show like that it was it was nothing oh, yeah. had ever been done like that ever and the money that that show cost was uh, was a uh, back then it was a huge amount more money than spent than any other show which is why back then cbs wanted to cancel it after two seasons because they're going like we can't do this man this is like too expensive and, <laughs> yeah you know, but they had, they had such a huge letter writing campaign that they couldn't say no and i think like i explained before they they got their way in a way they said okay we're gonna let the third season go but we're gonna kill you off by putting you in the friday night 10 p.m slot so they're kind of yeah. like to them, it was like a good move going like, yeah, okay, we'll give you the show because we don't want to be embarrassed, but we're killing it off after the season, <laughs> third season. USOB. Um, Gray, what's your uh, yeah. uh, episode score? This episode? Oh, yeah. Easy 9 out of 10. That's that's easy. This is one of the better um, ones for you, hands down. Definitely one of the better ones. One of the one of the more top top 10 or 20 Yeah, uh, have to agree with that. Or whatever. No surprise, I gave it an 8.5 because... There's another good one. I, I don't know if I don't know if I put it on your list or not. But if I didn't, uh, you should say Doomsday Machine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so no, that's a classic as well. Yeah. Well, wow, the remastered that. Doomsday Machine. Holy smokes, the remastering looks so good. Maybe we could do that next time. Yeah, yeah maybe... I mean the the, the the machine, the actual thing, is like oh, yeah, twenty five times difference. better than the original. Yeah. Wow, it's, it does look really good. And that really helps. Yeah, maybe we can cover that. So, I mean, yeah, so Greg gives it a 9 out of 10. I give it an 8.5 out of 10. That's massive kudos and respect to the episode. Still holds its own after all these years. Um, but people let us know below what, what you want to see more reviews of older Trek shows. If, if so, watch episodes, which 
series which seizes let us know below and like as gray says cheeky thumbs up while you're there uh, but don't forget a great uh, show as well um ggr it is delayed for two weeks for personal reasons but we we, we will be doing that in uh yep. two weeks yesterday um and we'll be he can be found at gray's green room on youtube and podcasts and platforms and then tonight we're doing our, our gaming show where we're, we're our friend nick um Again, uh, Extreme PC UK um, on the YouTubes and the podcasting platforms. So you, you could tune in if you like a bit of gaming. See us then. Uh, but I think that'll be us until probably next week, Grace. So thank you uh, for coming along, mate. Uh, until then, do your thing, man. Live long and prosper, everybody. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.